Welcome to the Parker Aver Group's podcast series, Talk Retail to Me, where we offer insights and realistic advice from experts in the retail and consumer brands industries. If you're new to Parker Avery and this podcast, we are a leading retail and consumer goods consulting firm with over 600 years of collective experience, both as consultants as well as leadership positions in the industry. Our firm uniquely combines deep industry experience with consulting expertise and world-class talent to deliver meaningful results. Our approach allows us to build successful, long-term relationships with some of the most recognizable retail and consumer brands in the world. If you're interested in learning more about the Park Ravery Group, we invite you to visit parkravery.com. This is Trisha Gustin, Senior Director of Marketing for the Parker Avery Group. This week, I am joined by Parker Avery's President and Managing Partner, Clay Parnell, and we have the great pleasure of welcoming retail industry leader, Randy Nolan, into the firm. Randy has an extensive list of executive titles across global retail and apparel brands, and her accomplishments are widely recognized throughout the industry. Randy recently joined our executive leadership team as a partner, and we are delighted to have her join the firm. So welcome, Randy. Welcome, Clay. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, Randy. Thank you for having me, Tricia. I'm very excited to be part of the Parker Avery group and super excited to be here talking with you and Clay today. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in. Randy, tell us a little bit about your background. So a little bit about my background. I started out in management consulting. I worked for a small boutique consulting firm that specialized within the retail and consumer products industry. And it was a phenomenal experience and really gave me an opportunity to see every aspect of the consumer value chain. I I like to think of it as the consumer value chain. And so I had an opportunity to work with textile companies and then fashion companies and then retail companies. And really that served me well throughout my career. When I left management consulting, I went into industry and really kind of grew up there on the operations side of the business and started out first in a strategy role, working in a supply chain strategy role for what was then Liz Claiborne and really helping them sort of rethink and re-engineer where they wanted to go from a supply chain strategy perspective. And then moved into an operations role where I you know, started to lead different functional areas, more on product development, supply chain, sourcing. And from there really moved into more of a COO role. I worked for companies like Juicy Couture. I led planning for the Talbots, and then, as I said, was a COO for LFUSA. Eventually, I got the opportunity to be COO for the Fry Company and then ultimately president and really enjoyed leading that team and and helping them grow their e-commerce business. And from there, I had the opportunity then to move into a transformation role and led the innovation and transformation team for Global Brands Group which was also a great experience and gave me the opportunity to start to experiment with different operating models and, you know, really start to learn a lot more about, you know, how to drive some digital transformation within an organization. 
I know you and Clay had some career history early on. Tell us a little bit about that. And Clay, of course, you can jump right in too. So Clay and I have known each other our entire careers. We we literally started with the same company on the same day. So we worked for a company called Kurt Solomon Associates. And again, they were a firm that specialized in, you know, retail and soft goods, apparel, footwear. And back then there was a mandatory training period, four-week training period. And so both Clay and I started in training together and, you know, became great friends and, you know, stayed friends throughout our careers and stayed in touch throughout our careers. So Randy, do you still have the pants we made? <laughs> I don't, but rumor has it that you do. <laughs> well, since, since you mentioned they, they, they historically were in textile and apparel manufacturing. So as part of the orientation, we literally had to go to a cut and sew factory. I think it was up near Rome, Georgia. And we had to follow our bundle of cut pieces around all the different sewing stations and and so our own. So yes, I do still have mine, of course, given when they were made and who we were working with at the time, I believe they were hundred percent polyester. So I admit I haven't tried them on in a few years, but I do know I still have them. You need to frame them and put them in your office. Sure. <laughs> so how about personally, Randy, where do you live? What do you do when you're not transforming the retail world? I, I live in New York. I live in Yorktown Heights, which is in northern Westchester County. And I have, I'm married and I have three children who are mostly grown. So I am just about an empty nester and I enjoy everything outdoors. So I am sort of a big outdoor advocate. I really enjoy hiking. I am a runner. I love to bike. Um, I like to just go for walks with my dog. So if it's if it's outdoors, I enjoy snow skiing, swimming, and I like to you know do any of those activities with my family. So if my kids are around, it's all the better. Nice, you're in good company. We've got quite a few runners on the Parker Avery team. We need to do like a relay race sometime. <laughs> like a virtual relay, we could do that. Re- there you go. Got to figure out something. We, yeah, we that would be fun. We we actually could. There's uh there's some apps we could <laughs> we could all sign up and have a race. <laughs> That's fun. So kind of moving back to the the retail conversation, you know, you've seen so much throughout your career, and then of course the last two years have just turned retail as well as everybody else upside down, inside out, and then flipped us backwards again. What do you see, given all that, given your experience? What do you see as the biggest opportunities for retailers as we continue through 2022 and then kind of looking into the future? So I I think the most obvious topic that is on everyone's mind is, you know, the supply chain issues that the industry has really been facing. And, you know, and I, I, I think that, you know, as we kind of think about those, the, first of all, they're not going away. Right. I, I think that the, you know, with, what's happening, you know, with the unrest in and the war in Ukraine. And then, you know, what we saw with the with the pandemic, you know, many of these issues are here to stay and potentially will be getting worse. And so I think that, you know, as as we kind of step back and think about that, that we're starting to really see retailers and the industry sort of sort of think about that, but in, in really two different buckets as I see it. 
One is really, you know, looking for ways to have better control, better visibility around their inventory, the inventory decisions that they're making, how to optimize that and how to maximize the inventory that they have or are able to get in order to, you know, to drive to drive revenue in the most efficient and effective way possible. So I I see that that con- that's going to continue and inventory and inventory availability and having the right inventory is going to continue to be a a very important topic for the industry. I think the other thing that obviously the supply chain itself. I think it's causing a lot of um, companies within our industry to really think about their supply chains not only from a visibility perspective, but also around, you know, what their country strategy is, where they're sourcing. I think they're starting to consider onshoring mm-hmm. and getting those things much closer to the source. I think the uh, other big topic area that we're uh, really seeing is around the ESG topic. And, you know, for the apparel industry, sustainability continues to be that's in the forefront of many of our minds. You know, we we as an industry are one of the worst offenders from an environmental and an environmental impact perspective. And I think as an industry, we all want to do better. So as, you know, as companies are starting to kind of think about how and what they're going to do to do better, I think that they're all also struggling a bit with where to start, what does that mean? And so I, I think as sustainability continues and the, the pressure to not um, make as big a negative impact on the environment continues, I think that retailers um, are going to continue to really step up and you know, work toward making some progress in that area. And then I, I think the last piece that that we're starting to see the industry in, and and this I believe sort of overlays both of those first two topics, that's in the area of of digital. You know, there's a buzzword around digital transformation. And again, I think it's one of those very overused topics that you know companies are talking about. But but I I do think, you know, overused or not, you know, those first two issues around the issues with the supply chain and, you know, what we're seeing in the industry and sustainability are now sort of forcing the topic around digital and digital transformation. And I do think that, you know, with the advent of, you know, the distributed workforce and kind of everything else that's happening around the world, that that's also going to accelerate. And continue, you know, to be a very important initiative for those in the industry. Maturity levels of companies are very, very, it's all over the place. And so a digital transformation for a traditional retailer is much, much different than somebody who's a little bit newer on the block. And, you know, connecting all of those digital touch points all the way up and down the supply chain from source through the end consumer needs to be cohesive strategy and really well thought through because anywhere along the, what you termed as the consumer value chain could break. And if you don't have that holistic view of it, you know, you're going to be behind the game. Yeah. I think those are all great topics, you know, certainly for the last year and a half, almost two years now, once we got through the, the initial months of the pandemic, when nothing happened, um, Almost all the work that we've done has touched on some aspect of inventory management, inventory flow, 
inventory availability, and that goes across different sectors of retail. The other piece that you touched on, Randy, around the supply chain challenges, you know, we always spend a lot of time and we typically lead with business process, business process improvement. You know, we were talking the other day about this and a lot of that takes it up to the next level. It's not just process improvement, it's, it's operating model. And that's where it gets into flexibility and agility in the supply chain, you know, like you were talking about onshoring, nearshoring, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Those are that, that level of flexibility is, is a huge advantage for those brands that can get it set up and, and get it there quickly and correctly. And then certainly on the digital side, you know, look, you're right on the level of maturity, Tricia, and it doesn't really matter on the size of the company. We've worked with clients that are, you know, five, $10 billion in revenue and, and more, but they're stuck with 15, 20 plus year platforms of technology mm-hmm. and they simply don't know any better or they, 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 they're scared to try to move off of those because of the, not just the complexity and the effort, but the risks associated with it versus much smaller companies that may be almost startups or pseudo startups. And they, they have nothing to lose and they're okay, you know, essentially operating on mobile apps and doing some things way outside the box of traditional retailers. Well, unfortunately for the, especially for those that are still on that 15, 20 year old technology, the whole, you know, the whole move to the cloud, you know, and off of on-premise delivery models has made things quite a bit easier, but I think it's, it's really a change in a process, change management and a process thing, changing the mindsets of traditional retailers, even moving around or switching around some traditional KPIs into different ways of thinking about how to manage your inventory. You know, is IMU really relevant anymore when you're looking at your merchandising organization, how you're moving inventory and where it's ending up and what channels it's getting allocated or, or, or bought from? Rob Oglesby and I had a big conversation, continue to have big conversations about those KPIs because it's an entirely different world. You can't look at your inventory in buckets anymore for, to a large extent. And so some of those, those KPIs need to change and the systems change along with them. So it's, it's a big transformation, definitely. And it will impact different maturity levels at a much different pace. You know, you're, you're also touching on probably a big fourth topic, which also cuts across all this, which is around omni-channel, right? And I do agree that when you start to talk about omni-channel in particular, the traditional KPIs that we were all sort of used to thinking about and talking, you know, store turns and they, they no longer make sense, right? When you're starting to, you know, when you're in sort of a true omni-channel environment, because, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're really getting your inventory from anywhere and your consumers you know, might shop in the store, but then buy it online, you know, when they get home in the comfort of their home, you know, how do you measure all of that and and make sure that your stores are getting the credit that they deserve as Mm -hmm. an example. Uh, So it's super interesting. I, I think on the digital transformation side, I, I think the point that Clay brought up is a really important one. I think that companies who were digitally native, you know, obviously, you know, don't have the same kind of baggage, so yeah. to speak, you know, it's some of those old, older, I shouldn't say old, <laughs> some of the, the older, more heritage organizations, you know, that are struggling with kind of an overhang of the way things used to be and the, the way that we used to do things. And it's, and it becomes so difficult when you start to think about 
this new way of, you know, this new way of thinking and this new way of working. But I do believe that, you know, with, with what's happened during COVID, where organizations have just been forced to getting a lot more comfortable working virtually, making decisions for virtually and figuring that out, that will continue to help push the envelope when you start to think about, you know, how can we move from this physical world and relying on the more traditional aspects and start to move toward more of a, of a digital way of working, whether that's 3D design, you know, whether that's virtual fit models. There are so many opportunities, you know, supply chain transparency, visibility, et cetera, that, you know, a big part of this is just figuring out where do we start Mm -hmm. and start, you know, starting to, to, you know, get some traction in an area, starting to get some wins and then sort of building from there. Right. And, and what's right for the business model too. What's right for a Nordstrom is going to be way different than an Aldi or, you know, Walmart or something like that. So which, which areas do you pick and choose and determine what's right for your business model for your, for your customers, for your end customers? Cause it's not one, just one big That's blob right. of consumers. We you know, right. need to pick and choose what's going to be where their comfort levels are with your brand. But there is, I absolutely agree, but there is starting to be a blurring uh, across different you know, levels of, of retail or with, from a consumer expectation standpoint, I agree. It used to be that, you know, I'll just say a, a Neiman Marcus shopper would have certain expectations, but if that same shopper walked over to, you know, a target or a Kohl's, they wouldn't have the same expectation, but today in the omni-channel world with some of the things that Randy was talking about, they actually do have the same expectations. Different retailers may not have the same capabilities yet, the same services. Uh, but consumers are clamoring for more on the on the retailer side. And then going back to Randy's comments on what's happening in, for the the companies and the employers, you know, everybody is having to to work in those virtual and now hybrid environments, and that is definitely requiring uh, you know a different way of thinking, a different way of working together. As she said, we've known each other our entire professional career. We've we've stayed in touch over the years. I've I've really enjoyed watching Randy. Randy's career progress and everything she's achieved, but the opportunity to have her join us here at Parker Avery, be part of our leadership team and be able to work again on a daily and a weekly basis is, is really exciting. Randy, I know you've only been here for a couple of weeks now, but you know, what are, what are some things, you know, knowing that you've got some history in consulting, but have been out of it for a number of years, what are some things that you're excited about diving back into, whether it's from a professional standpoint, from a client standpoint, or just consulting and working, working with our team? What are, what are some things you're really looking forward to? That's a really great question, Clay. You know, I, I think one of the things I'm most excited about is to bring my industry experience to bear as I kind of embark on my second career within management consulting. My, my first round in consulting, I, I grew up in consulting. And so I only knew sort of the the consultant's perspective. And I remember thinking that things were so much easier than they probably appeared to from the client's perspective, because I, I was, I was looking at it through a, a consultant's eyes and glasses, having now sat in the chair of our clients and having now been responsible for a P and L 
and having now, you know, been responsible for a team and the results and, you know, fully accountable. I feel like now I will be a much better consultant because I now understand, I understand that, you know, quote unquote, the other side um, of the equation. And so now what I'm most excited about is bringing that experience and that perspective to bear and helping our clients now achieve the results that the best results that they can achieve. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, and look, I, did, I haven't worked in industry, you know, nearly as long as you did, but even coming into Parker Avery after, you know, a few years in industry, I thought was a huge advantage for me as well. And, and I think it's a big advantage for our clients because just to be blunt, most consulting firms don't, you know, even that are much larger, don't have the blend of industry experience that we have here at Parker Avery. And it gives us a unique perspective and I think unique value to bring to our clients because we, we do have that experience. And I do think it adds a point of view to most of our engagements that's, that's just hard to equal. So I, I think it's a huge advantage of what you are able to bring given the years and the, the brands that you worked with. I think the other thing I'm very excited about is Parker Avery's delivery model. I think what sets Parker Avery apart is the the fact that, you know, not only are you uh, bringing professionals to the table that have a blend of consulting and industry experience, but you're also bringing a lot of years of experience to the table. And I, I like that I'm going to have the opportunity to still work on the client projects and still actually do work, you know, elbow to elbow, shoulder to shoulder with, you know, with our clients and with our accounts. And, and I, I really think that's another thing that sets Park Ravery apart. And one of the things that I'm very, very excited about being part of the team. Yeah, I think that I think that's a big differentiator as well, because most of our clients may get to cross paths with experienced consultants, but they would not see them from other firms, you know, except maybe a few hours or half a day every month. And our model's different. Frankly, our interests are different. We actually, to your point, we, we actually enjoy you know, rubbing the elbows and shoulders, jumping in the foxhole and, and doing the work. And that's why we're here at Parker Avery versus other places. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoy it and I'm glad and look forward to, to continue to find opportunities for us to work together as well. And that is a perfect way to wrap it up. Thank you both for joining me today. It's been a pleasure as always. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, Trisha. Thanks, Clay. Thanks, you too. Thank you, Randy. That's a wrap for this week. We hope you enjoyed the conversation, gained some industry insights, and got to know the Parker Avery Group a little bit better. If you have any questions about today's discussion or wish to talk about any retail industry challenges you may be facing, please visit our website to contact us. Please also join our conversation on LinkedIn. Just search for the Parker Avery Group. And don't forget to share this podcast to anyone who may benefit from these insights. We look forward to hearing from you. 